Welcome back, listeners, to another exciting episode of Bills and Beers, the Buffalo Bills podcast. Here from the Bills backers of Chicago, Illinois. Coming off the bye, coming off the heartbreaking, crushing loss to the Arizona Cardinals, the Bills bounce back in a big way, get the 10-point win over the Los Angeles Chargers today in Orchard Park, New York. I'm Lars from just outside Philly. Joining us tonight from Brew City, USA, up there in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, it's Buffalo Bill Nichols. What up, guys? And the president of the Bills, backers of Chicago, Sujit, is also with us. Eight and three is a fine place to be. Also, I failed to say it. This is a, your Bills and Beers, the Buffalo Bills podcast from a bunch of people who used to watch Bills games together in Chicago, Illinois. So yeah, uh, not much to say here. We're we're eight and three. Uh, we're beating the teams that we should beat, and we're just kind of waiting this one out now to see if we, in fact, get that division title for the first time in 25 years. And I think we're all pretty comfortable with the notion of playoffs again here in 2020. So let's not waste any time, gang, and kind of grind into this one, peel back the layers a little bit, and figure out what there is to say. Because again, eight and three start, 27-17 win. Here we go. It's kind of it's kind of becoming routine. So let's get into it. So yeah, 27-17 was the final. We actually lost our bet this week because of the last second hail mary. Justin Herbert hammered the over on passing yards and we took the under, which is just a real kick in the teeth way to lose 72 bucks. But whatever, we got the win. Uh, but it wasn't all pretty. We'll get to th- the things about this game to be exciting about. There's plenty of it. Again, eight and three. Lots of reasons to be to be joyful. But listening to the players talk, listening to the radio afterwards, and probably listening to this podcast, you're you'll probably sense a, a tone that you might not have otherwise expected. I could be wrong. We'll we'll hear what Suge and Bill have to say. We actually kind of cut off the Bills talk pre-record so you, we could say it all for you, the dear listener. So Suge, we'll start with you. Get us going. Not all pretty. 27-17 win. Jenny Greenville, bummer of today's game. Uh, you know, I, I, I think it's a, it's a tough one to give him to because I also think that it's one of his best games, which was Devin Singletary. But... Is it just me, or is there a pattern of fumbling with Devin Singletary? Um, I just feel like he puts the ball on the ground. I might be completely off by that. He, he got benched for it last beginning year. Of, yeah, beginning of last year, before his you injury. Know, and, 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 and the thing is, is that I, I just, I, I don't know, in a game like this where you're finally starting to make moves, you're running the ball, you're doing things well, it all goes for naught if you give the ball up. You know, And you could say the same thing for Josh. I mean, frankly, fumbles in general – turnovers in general should be the theme of the Jenny Cream Ale for this this game but yeah I and think honestly if we want to tie the two together my my cream yeah, ale is Josh my cream ale is Josh if you want to tie the two together yeah. turnovers yeah no I mean I think that I, the thing is that for Singletary the reason I'm particularly being going to be harsh on him is that one I think Zach Moss is running pretty darn well yeah. uh, and two I think that if you haven't contributed that much during the season then the fumbles make a much bigger impact. Um, you know, Josh Allen has brought us to where we are, and so he's played really well, and so he's afforded a couple boneheaded mistakes and things like that. But Singletary really hasn't done anything. And now, granted, you can blame the line, you can blame all that other stuff, uh, but still, he hasn't 
contributed that much, so you don't really get the right to make mistakes that are that crucial. You know, and and Billy, we'll come back to that in a second regarding Josh Allen. I agree. And one of the things that gets under my skin is you hear a lot of the national guys talk about Josh Allen is mistake prone. And I want to say like what horseshit that is, but it's really not. But what is true is that these mistakes seem to be more or less without consequence. I can't really think of a game where, if not for the turnovers, it it seems like more often than not, we're saying we have to be more careful because we can't win if we keep coughing up the ball this way. And so I don't don't know. I mean, maybe we can because we do. Uh, We have already eight times this year. Uh, but I'm with you. The that that stretch in the fourth quarter with two fumbles and an interception in what seven plays? I mean, that was brutal. Yeah. That was brutal. And we talk about the second half. Bills, Billy, take it away. I mean, Josh Allen, third quarter, fourth quarter. I don't know what you want to talk about, but yeah. Well, and real quick been to cleaner. the running. Real quick to the running too. It, it certainly doesn't give us the confidence that we want to have and what was already a struggling rushing game and we did bounce back and have a overall good rushing game but the singletary uh just that there's got to be somewhere in the coach's minds a hesitation when it comes down to do we call a run play here do we give it up to to Devin or um, you know, do we call a pass play? Uh, if he is going to cough, start coughing the ball up uh, again like he had the tendency to do last year. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if Singletary even lasts, right, which is which is tough to say because I think all of us have high, had high hopes for him. But if, if you're someone removed and you're looking at the Bills and Singletary's overall, um, uh, you know, games, all, all of his games together. Cause again, I think he did have a decent game other than that fumble. Um, you know, you would be wondering whether or not this guy's even a NFL starting running back. You, you say that I get the sense though, watching Singletary and have for a long time now that whether or not he's with the bills, I get, I, it feels like he's going to be in the league for a long time. Barring a catastrophic injury, he just seems like the kind of player that any team would just, yeah, I'll I'll take that guy on my roster. He's just fine. And for the Bills, he's been just fine. But I think you said it earlier, Billy. I'm liking the way Zach Moss runs too. And neither of them really stand out as, you know, can't, can't be without, can't miss running backs. But they are both just fine. And there was a moment... In this game, I think it was late-ish in the fourth quarter where they flashed on the screen that we had run 26 passing plays and 26 runs. So I don't know if we were just workshopping the new run attack that we had cooked up during the bye week knowing we were playing a lesser opponent. But that struck me as odd, especially given... What what game was it that we came out and threw like 26 times in a row? I think we did it against the Jets in week one, but we did it again later on down the stretch. I think it was against Seattle, actually. We just came out and just kept yeah. throwing and throwing and yeah. throwing. And it, it seems... Yeah, that's, that's why Carroll was like, I didn't think they would completely abandon the run. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, um, I mean, Josh Allen's numbers for the day, 18 for 24 for 157 yards. Okay. I mean, those are kind of Tyrod Taylor numbers, but... Are we 
gonna try to win this way or was today just a, a chance to kind of knock the rust off a little bit and and get some of the and like with John Feliciano coming back and having to rework the line you know getting those guys comfortable with what they like to do in the run game I think that so there's been a slight obsession of trying to have a bit more balanced attack with this team and they've been trying to get the run game going and remember they said this whole off the whole bye week right that was the thing they were going to focus on they were doing a deep dive into what was wrong with the running game I mean I think the answer is pretty fucking obvious is that you didn't have Mitch Morrison and John Feliciano out there together uh, mm. that was the problem with the running game because when John Feliciano came back just that one few plays when he was at before Morse went down the run game was successful um, so I think John Feliciano is the single biggest addition to the line in terms of why there's a running game now but the point is that they they are insistent that they need to have the ability to run even if they're not going to run all the time and so they worked on it hard and I just kind of felt like they were trying to prove to themselves and prove that they could do it that they that the you know to institute some of the changes they had made and and to see hey how's this working out I, I I think it is workshopping Lars I think that they they were showing that hey there's going to be a time in the playoffs when we need to be able to run the ball and so we need to be able to work in these things and figure out what we need to do but I think that there's still there's there's this obvious feeling that we're just not as good of an offense when we're running the ball as opposed to when we're passing the ball. And so, I mean, I think when it comes down to, you know, winning the playoff game or whatever, if they have to throw the ball a bunch of times, they will. But it does it does take a little bit of heat off when the defense does have to respect the run, um, at least to some extent. But there's no question where the talent in this offense lies. It's in throwing the ball. Because even when it was third and 18, third and 10, whatever, when you just had Josh kind of sitting back there, yeah, he'll take a sack or two, but most of the time he's able to find the receiver that's, you know, just beyond the sticks or just in front of the sticks and making it third and two, third and one, and then then it's easy. So, you know, to that point, I think that it's easy to – and I think they talked about, like, oh, they got the running game going against New England. Or they said something like – oh, no, they said that – or that – Mahomes didn't throw for that, you know, they, what was it? Yeah, that's what it was. It was that the Chiefs had run all over the Bills, okay? That was their analysis they had said during the game today. And, that, I mean, that's just not true. I mean, it's it's factually true. It's, it's objectively true. You can look at the stats and that's what happened. But it happened because the Bills were playing nine defensive backs and letting them do it. And I've yet to hear any broadcast or anybody in the national media talk about that in that level of detail. And I don't know if the Bills are seeing defenses like that. I, th I believe they did against the Patriots, which is why we ran the ball as much as we did. But that idea of, quote, balance, to me, it's not 26 runs and 26 passes. Again, factually true, objectively true. It's measurably true. The, we are balanced. We have run the ball and passed the ball equal number of times. To me, the balance is running the ball when you have to run the ball, which is where we've seen this team falter consistently in the second half when they're just trying to run off the clock. And what frustrates me about that is nobody talks about, well, the Bills are running the ball here because teams are expecting them to or teams want them to pass or teams want them to run. So they're loading up against the pass, which doesn't seem to make sense. Because in a lot of these instances, we're winning the game. So what I'd like to see is the Bills just like take this whole concept of balance and throw it out the goddamn window. Even if you're up by 14 in the third quarter, keep throwing. 
keep fucking throwing until the other team comes out and puts nine DBs on the field and is is daring you to run. Just keep throwing because I, f- I feel like we try to we try to like reverse engineer the offense into this narrative of balance and well how do you run the clock off oh you run the ball well yeah you could also do it by completing short passes and just keeping the ball in bounds and I don't know if it's stubbornness or if it's just we see this from NFL coaches and football coaches in general doing things the way they've always been done but I'm fu- like just just stand back there and throw the ball 60 times a game if you have to. Spread it out and just keep throwing it because it's what this team does well. And it was nice to see them run the ball and go for that balance. But if the, if that's what they're workshopping to get to, I don't endorse. I would rather see them just do the thing that they can do until a team stops them from doing it. Because it seems like when we try to run the ball, the only one stopping us is ourselves. Yeah, I, I think that – but I, I think that the identity is not going to be running the ball. They – I think they were just trying to workshop so that they can be better at running the ball when they do have to, right? When they do put nine people back there so that they're prepared. Because the problem is that if they put nine people back there, and I think that, that some of the some of the teams have done that, made it just very difficult for Josh to throw the ball, but then we weren't able to run the ball, right? And that was a, that was the mistake. Well, that's a problem. Right? We, we, you know, and, yeah. and that's that's what I think the workshopping was about, right? Is that you, you get limited practices now, especially with the bye week and COVID and all those other things. So I do think that there's some learning in the game. And, and fortunately, we had a team that was not so good that, we, you know, we could afford to do that. Well, my Jenny Creamel goes to the vain attempt of one Taylor Swift to get millions of young women in the United States to adopt an absolutely atrocious hairstyle. And it was front and center on a lot of Capital One crossover commercials today where she's pimping her new album, Cashmere. But I'm telling you what, Tay, nice try. The hair ain't working for you, and it ain't going to work for any other young woman in this country. And so help me God if I start seeing women on Instagram and other places with their hair with the stupid little like half-bang curls looking like she just like arrived from the Ozarks wearing nothing but her rubber boots. I'm out. I'm out. I'm done, Internet. I'm done. Taylor Swift, I'll blame it all on you. All right, we I'm did win the game. I'm looking this up right now. Where, where? Did you not see that? the commercial? I was not paying attention to the commercial, so it's bad. And it, 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 it was on full display in the commercial. They kept playing over and over and over again on my feed. <laughs> oh, good stuff. All, All right, right 27-17, we won. We're 8-3, and three, God damn it. We're number one in the division. They kept saying we have a one-game lead. We have a two-game lead. We beat them head-to-head, and we have a better division record. All that aside, we should be happy. We should be thrilled at what we saw from this team today. And quite frankly, I am. There is quite a bit that I enjoyed thoroughly watching in some things, the run game notwithstanding. Even though it was a lot better today, trying to find this, quote, balance on the offense is a little bit frustrating. But there are some things that were frustrating earlier this year that aren't so frustrating now. I don't mean to lead you, but Billy, we'll start with you. You're the Bat Blue MVP of today's game. Would love to hear from Cassie on this one. <laughs> so I know where you're going to go with that, I think, but uh, sorry about that. My uh, my Bat Blue MVP of today's game is Trey White. Uh, obviously, huge interception. Love to see that. Uh, so, you know, finally, a def- uh, one of our defenders going ahead and making, uh, making a play when he needs to. Um, but being able to hold Keenan Allen to what was it, forty yards, hmm. four catches, forty yards. I mean, that's unbelievable. So yeah. you know, we got Hunter, whatever that guy's name is. He had a bunch of catches, great. But uh, the fact that you've got 
you know, leave uh, the other guys around Trey, you know, Levi Wallace, et cetera, et cetera. Trey's able to sort of lock it down still. It's pretty, pretty awesome. Um, so we're lucky to have him. Let's, you know, you know, man is paid. So he's going to be here a while. Um, yeah, he had, a, he had another great game today. So did you feel like did you feel like he got exposed a couple times? I mean, I, I just felt like there was a bunch of plays where he was in coverage, single man coverage, and he got he got beat. I, I mean, like it's gonna, a great great receiver. I think it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Wrong. It's going to happen because yeah. he's on. He's going to be on the number one receiver, right? Like the play, those pl- those guys are going to make plays too. But overall, I think he makes more plays, uh, and yeah. or is uh, you know it blankets a guy enough for the guy to for the quarterback to just look, look off right. of him, yeah. Right, and and a lot of the times what we're seeing is, I mean, these wide receivers like Mike Williams and and what's his face DK Metcalf who look like goddamn defensive ends out there, and with the way the rules are and everything else, what we see more often than not is guys making terrific plays with yeah. with Trey White and coverage, and you know what, if that if they're gonna beat you that way, okay, good luck. You know, there's a reason why Keenan Allen, one of the best receivers in the league, only had four catches, all of them great, but he was limited to four. The other thing I will say about Trey White, for the love of God, can we get that guy the ball in his hands with a little bit of daylight in front of him? Because every time he has the ball, does he not look hands down like the fastest guy on the field? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you feel like he's going to take it to the house. You want to see him uh, I mean, re- well return a punt every once in a while, maybe or something. You, I, I. That's what I was thinking today. I mean, it looks like he's flying out there when he's got the ball in his hands. I mean, it looks like he's on a like turbo boost next level type shit out there. I mean, he looks very, very fast, and it's a shame he never gets a chance to just try to make somebody beat him to the edge because there's no chance anybody's catching him. Yeah, I, I mean, the only thing, I don't want Trey playing any snaps other than defensive <laughs> yeah. back. Like, the last thing I need is for him to get injured on a fucking punt return, you know, where <laughs> someone takes off his head because he forgets to fair catch something. Um, but, you know, I, I just special shout-out to um, the other defensive backs. I thought Teron Johnson played really well today. Um, I thought our defensive backs are just in general. I mean, other than that stupid, you know, 50-yard pass and some of the garbage time stats, I, I mean, we did hold him to – less than 280 yards passing, which is below his average. Um, and you know, the the funny thing is that I've never seen a 3-7 and seven team get hyped more than the Chargers do. Yeah. You know? um, and I know Justin Herbert has played okay. But, he's good, you know, man. Still, he's, he's real good. good. But they're still 3-7, and seven, right? But and like, people are acting like this team is like 9 Yeah, but t- time out, dude. I said it watching that because of uh, timeout usage in the second half. Anthony Lynn is a great guy, and he seems to call a good game. But holy shit, did he mismanage this game? Yeah. And, and the reason they're three and seven is because they cannot win a one-score game. And when you've got a guy who's so flagrantly mishandling game situations, it's, it's hard to imagine where these one-score games are constantly slipping through your fingers. Can we talk for a second about the final play of the game? What the fuck was that? Yeah. What were they going to do? <laughs> What were they gonna do? I mean, right? They were trying to QB sneak with him. But why? There's three seconds on three the clock. Seconds. Even if, uh, even even if you get it, the game's mm-hmm. over. Right. You're down ten. What the hell was that? What the Maybe. hell was that? Well, you have to throw. Yeah, it. right. Because by the time the dust settles, it'll be three seconds. Like you need a quick pass out, right? Yes. 
Right. Yeah, they they he, needed he to run a play because they were at like the one yard line. They needed to run a play where they he literally just like grabbed the ball, chucked it laterally, and a guy fell forward, and yeah. just hope that three seconds didn't run off. Well, in that amount and of their time. problem was what was it? The, it was first down, and they ran the ball or something, didn't that they? That was yes. the dumbest thing. That yeah. was the most ridiculous thing in the world. So they wasted it, it was twenty seconds left on the clock, or twenty four seconds, or whatever, and then it went down to you know eight seconds or something. I mean, it's bad when, like, the bad announcers that we have are apoplectic, right? They're just like, what? what are Several what, times during the game. I the ball there. You know, oh, I, I really disagree with that decision. Um, but yeah, that's why, Suge, that's why they're hyped because Herbert's good as hell. Keenan Allen's very good. That Hunter Henry dude, also very good. And, by the way, Joey Bosa gave us yeah. fucking fits. That guy's a stud. I mean, so we do, we do not have a... last year. He kicked us last not last year, but last time we played. Remember, he was all over Josh Allen last game. Peter, I man. mean, you want to talk about like, I think Billy, you texted who's our blue chip player on defense. We don't have anybody even in the same stratosphere oh, as gosh, Joey Bosa. No. I mean, we love Trey White, but when you play that far off the ball, you can't have the kind of like down in and down out impact that that dude had. Holy shit! He's straight game changer. And if I'm if I'm Brian Dable and I'm going to run the ball. Uh, I'm pretty sure I'm going to run the ball to the other side uh, yeah. of that guy every single play. That's going to be my game plan. Yeah, it was infuriating those few plays where like the announcers highlighted the fact that nobody covered Joey Bosa and he just ran free into the backfield. I was just like, you know, you have a point there. I hate listening to the announcers, but man, like you got a point. Like, how how can you? What are you doing at the line? Whereas you don't say, hey, which one of you has Joey Bosa? You know, well, on I, one play, it was Gabe Davis one-on-one against him. And that was I, – that. I, did we go for it on yeah. fourth? There was like a third and one, and Josh no, just got was, blown it up. Was that, it was third and one. Josh was going to run to the left side. And, yeah, it was it was on Gabe Davis to stop him. But I was talking about the other – there was a sack where Joey Bosa just – like the our right guard just kind of put a hand out, assuming there was someone to the left of him that was going to pick it up. I, I mean, it's just – it's baffling that that should be like no matter what someone covers that person. You know? Yeah, dude's good. But you know that that gets to my Labatt Blue actually, and it's just the left side of the line. Um, I think that if you notice all of the successful runs we had were always to the left. Um, the addition of John Feliciano and now with Mitch Morse, that one play that they actually highlighted in the broadcast uh, where it was uh, Feliciano and Morse going out, they double uh, d- double blocked. Bosa, and then Morse was able to get to the second level and go to the next play. I mean, that's the way a play is supposed to be executed, and I don't think that there's anyone on our team other than those two, and, and obviously Dawkins, uh, that can reliably do that. Um, I think that the, the left side of our line you know, is going to be the future, or is going to be the answer for any potential run game. Um, so teams are going to learn that they're, you know, we only run left or we're only successful running left. But I, I do think it's really nice to see. I mean, Feliciano, I thought, was a revelation when he came back. And now having Morse back um, along with Feliciano and then next to Dawkins, um, I think that there's a lot of potential there. And so Don't forget I, about I'm Butker. really excited. What's that? Don't forget about Ike Bucker. Yeah, I don't know about Butger versus Winters versus whatever, but that I mean the right side has its issues. You know, basically they just need to the right side just basically needs to not bleed. You know, um, they're not going to be game changers as long as they just don't completely fuck up. That's that's I think all we can all we can hope for on that side, uh, which is a shame considering how much I think time and effort has been 
invested in that right side. Um, but yeah, no, that's my Labatt Blue is um, the the left side of the line opening up the run game again. Yeah, and I'm give, I'm just gonna go ahead and give my Labatt Blue to the entire defense because. It's been a slow march to get to this point. They're getting better every week. Yes, the Chargers are three and seven now, or three and eight now, I should say. But you're fooling yourself if you think that wasn't a very good offense that was getting healthy today that we played against. And you know the defense is also getting healthy. Tremaine Edmonds is looking a lot better now, and. Hey, Holy AJ Klein. when we're wrong, we'll say we're wrong. And no, and, and no small measure because of the play of AJ Klein. Holy cow. Yep. Who is that guy? And it's not, I mean, he went from, you know, making these head scratching liability plays to, oh, oh, that was a really good play from AJ Klein. Like he skipped over the whole part where we just stopped seeing his name on the field, which is what, what would have been preferable. But now we just get great plays from him. It's awesome. Was the yeah, timing? Was that one play where he pursued to the sideline, and and, and I'm so that used fourth to down play, not right? being fast enough yeah. to get to the person. But this time he just flew to him and just like, yeah, it, it's it's it doesn't look like the same player. It looks like he had like a turbo gear put onto him. But you know, at the beginning of the year, it was everybody was on, on was on shaky ground. We made the point. We we're playing against some pretty good teams. Our players were injured, and. You know, it just felt like there's there's no practical reason, there's no reasonable explanation that a team returning almost all of its starters would go an entire season being unreliable. And where they were poor to start the season, those markets were going to normalize, they're going to get better, they're going to tighten up. It's the same system, the same coaches, the same players. It's gonna get better, and it's getting better at a pretty good time of the year for it be for it to be getting better. Yeah, I was gonna say it's been it was really refreshing to see the defense repeatedly in those what three turnovers and seven plays repeatedly bail the offense out. What they got away with one field goal over after three turnovers, right? I mean that's just that's really incredible. That's just great play by our defense. Um, both getting their own turnovers and, um, and, and and bailing out the offense when they when they did give up turnovers repeatedly. Um, so it was just nice to see that. It was nice to see, you know, we talk about complimentary football. I know they were joking around about that in the postgame show. Um, but so often it's been the offense bailing out the defense, which is not the Buffalo narrative, right? Like the Buffalo narrative has always been the defense bailing out the offense. But that's been different this year. And so it's nice to see some of that retribution or, um, you know, payback. Um, to allow that that defense to do that. And, yeah, I agree. You know, the one thing that is different, Lars, is the D-line, right? Uh, Jordan Phillips is gone. Star Latule is gone. Shaq Lawson is gone. Um, And I think that's what took, you know, a little bit of, you know, melting to get get right. Um, And so hopefully that continues to get better. I still don't think they're as good of a D-line now as they were last year. Um, and I don't know that they ever will be. But um, as long as they learn how to play together and and get their their rhythm. Yeah, and Ed Oliver seems – uh, injured at the moment. No, he played today, didn't he? He probably played, but he's been kind of down on the the, the list, right? right? He's been a healthy scratch repeatedly. I mean, I he mean, was but... nowhere to be found today. Espinosa, they didn't call his name once, right? He, had, he looked he pretty had a good. Plays. Okay, he yeah, he looked good plays. out there. Okay. Um, I mean, number ninety four, Butler Junior. I don't even know who that is. So, I mean, I I genuinely did. I, 
I, I never thought that we'd be this deep in the season and doing so well, and there would be players on the field that I'd never heard of. Um, so, I don't, yeah, I, I don't know. Ed Oliver seems to be doing okay. But, again, what if we had a Joey Bosa caliber guy on that defensive line that teams had to account for? I mean, it, it would just be – it would be – it would just be rip city out there. Well, I mean, and that's what I mean. The Chiefs, the Chiefs have Chris Smith and whoever else they they've got on that D line, right? Like that's the those are difference makers. They've got I think two different difference makers on their D line. Yeah, it 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 helps. It helps an awful goddamn lot. Um, I am shocked to see here that the uh, the Niners beat the Rams today. We got the Niners next week, so that. That's yeah, interesting. Rams, it would the Rams were out of sorts and they turned the ball over and it was just that I thought that was the Rams playing bad as opposed to San Francisco playing great. But um, another Robbie Gold kick that's from like fifty yards out to to win the game. So we would be remiss yet again if we didn't talk about Cole Beasley and the contributions he made. Gabe Davis looked good. Gabe uh, Davis Dawson had Knox. a great. You know what? One of one of the things is uh, on uh, on one of Singletary's long runs uh, to the left side. Gabe Davis had an awesome block, and it was 15 yards down the field. And to be that disciplined, and to have to be in the right place, be not holding, just be have a really really solid block. I mean, for a young guy, there's something to be said for that. And I've noticed that on several occasions. Um, so you'll see if you know if you're actually looking for it. You guys probably probably noticed it before, but something that deserves a call out. Yeah, yeah he's a nice he- player to have. It's hard to it's hard to not engage before the player gets the ball too, right? I mean, you're that far downfield. Exactly. Uh, to be in position to be ready to block, but not actually block until they catch the ball. Uh, completely agree. And not to mention, he's making some sick catches. Yeah, he some is. Sick contested catches. You know, yep. the the deep ball that was the offsides play that was a great catch. Um, the one to the left uh, left sideline. I can't remember exactly what the context was that, but uh, another great contested catch. And just, I mean. Forget about it. And now, of course, this guy scores touchdowns every week. When we fucking bet on him, I know he like repeatedly drops his touchdowns or has some nonsense. But, um, anyways, I'm, we're we're not going back there. But and, yeah, I mean, and, overall, I mean, we're eight and three, right? This is a we got to be happy. So we yeah. can, can we can we all agree that our offense goes as John Brown goes? I I, think the, I, I again I don't know today's offense just seemed to be. A, we're gonna try some new stuff out and see what happens, because yeah, I think I think Josh wasn't playing, wasn't th- he only threw twenty four times because they only wanted him to throw twenty four times. We yeah. were trying to run the ball, and having a decent amount of success, we ran for what one hundred and fifty four yards or something like that. And so, if we can win the game that way, we're gonna win the game that way. It also makes offenses or defenses that are coming up that are not that great teams. It makes them say, oh well. You know, they did beat the Chargers running the ball. They did beat the Patriots running the ball. So we have to game plan for those two as well. As opposed to being really, you know, one-dimensional, um, it just, you know, I think that it's a it's a strategic thing, yeah. right? And, showing and all your cards. We need to show that we can win without Josh throwing 40 times. But, Bill, more often than not, yes. Josh, or... Um, John Brown is very much a Jenga piece of this offense, but it yep. seems like now they perform optimally when he's in and just okay when he's not. Right. It's not like the whole damn thing falls apart. It's nice to also have players like Gabe Davis and Cole Beasley and 
even that one drive when they were talking about how Stefan Diggs hadn't gotten any passes and then he basically exclusively caught all the balls all the way down the field. Um, it's nice to have those other receivers that, hey, when one of them's out, we still can function as an offense and as a passing offense, that there's lots of different options and you're not going to cover all of us. And there, there's there's a little part of me that's just smiling inside, smiling outside every time we have a screenplay. Yes. It's great. I love it. They're safe plays. They typically go for, you know, average of what, four yards, six yards? At least. So why not? I loved how the announcers were like, both of these teams throw a lot of screens. We're like, yeah, really? (laughs) Really great. Tell me more. (laughs) All right. Well, yeah, we're eight and three. We're we're on Monday Night Football next week. This was our last 1 p.m. start of 2020. We will play the Dolphins at 1 p.m. in Week 17, but that game will take place in 2021. If the NFL season does drag itself across the finish line, we're not even going to get into that whole debacle and what's going on with the Broncos and the Ravens this Such week. Bullshit. And I mean, it's it's pretty unreal, and you're never going to convince me that what the Bills had to go through going into the Titans and Chiefs games were was not total horseshit, that they didn't get jerked around for 10 days not knowing who they were going to play and that much of what we saw in the the Titans game, now granted they are a good team, was the result of the Bills just being unfocused and unprepared. And we talked about how Sean McDermott has his timelines and they stick to the schedule and they didn't know what to do. They were, they were off the entire time trying to get there. So, um, I mean, I'm, I'm going to agree. I, you know, I just, I love this hypocrisy by the NFL of, I know we're not going to talk about it, but I just got to say one thing is that they said that the reason that they allowed the Broncos game to go on is because there wasn't an ongoing, you know, plague happening in there. I can't wait for it to be some marquee player, some marquee team like Kansas City or the Titans or someone else, Pittsburgh, that their entire quarterback class is not there. Are they really going to stop or, you know, let that game move forward? I just, I don't see it. I don't see it. I think it's that... With Denver, it's a crappy team, and more people are going to watch because they don't have a quarterback. I, frankly, I turned that game on just to see what it looks like to have a team without a quarterback. And? Um, it it looked pretty bad, and I felt really bad for the poor kid, whatever, K-something, that was um, that was playing quarterback. I mean, it, just, it, it, it wasn't right for them to be in that situation, um, especially as a team that was the underdog. Right, like they weren't they weren't as good as the Saints with Tate, uh, Tatum Hill or whatever. But frankly, both teams didn't really have a quarterback because Tatum Hill is not a real quarterback. But um, but I don't know. I, I just think I mean it's crappy. You know, it's like it's you know you want to watch a good product, right? And and even though that the Saints were probably going to win that game regardless, it just I don't know. It's a little bit demoralizing to say, hey, yeah, Broncos, you have to go out there and play without the most important player on the team. Like, right. It's just, it's just a crappy situation. If I was a Broncos fan, I, I just wouldn't want to watch that game. No, it was it was bullshit what they went through. But is, uh, inter- yeah, so I mean, interesting that ahead, uh, I never really thought about it before. Um, but the fact that we've been separating Jake from from the rest of the quarterbacks, like they haven't been studying in the same room, like there's like the film sessions and everything. I never thought about it before, but that's smart and. The Broncos weren't doing that. There probably were other teams that weren't doing that as well. But you better believe they're saving one guy. Um, so there's, you know, they never run into, run into that situation. Well, that's what Matt Barkley does... had a good game today. <laughs> Was that Matt Barkley? Matt Barkley. Oh had my a good gosh! Game today. Yeah, yeah. Poor guy. Well, 
as as Billy just indicated, Matt Barkley is not the designated survivor. Yeah. But you know, Cassie made that point when we did <laughs> when we did the COVID pod in the spring that every team has to figure it out. You, you know, we're all playing by the same rules. We're all playing in the same pandemic, and but that doesn't work if the league will bail out some teams and not bail out others. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's and that's where I'm kind of fed up with the whole thing but whatever we won we're eight and three we're probably going to the playoffs so let's let's get off it and get right into wild card go bills well we're coming up on the end of the episode which means it's the wild card portion of today's episode it's the wild card and we lost Bill. We lost Bill to some technical Billy difficulties. Dead. Uh, it's been, Billy dead. It's been a while since we've had a, a snafu. It's nice that we got through the month of November without some truly atrocious football. As I'm looking at the calendar, I'm sort of shocked to see that it's already the 29th. And, and in years past, the months of October and November have always sort of been our undoing. And, you know, we keep saying it over and over. We're 8-3, and three, but I guess that's what it is. You get to go through an entire month with not watching your team shit the bed every week. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm counting that last fucking game, that Hail Mary, man. It broke my spirit. It was just too much for me. It was like, it was just like, I to this day, like when they show the highlight of it, or even when somebody talks about it, I'm just like, but we won that game. We yeah. won that game. And it's just like, ah, and it's, especially as I see them like lose now to the Patriots and I'm just like, oh, they were not that good of a team. Then that's, of course they weren't that good of a team. We beat them. We beat them. And it's just like. It's just like this unfair nonsense that just happened. And so whatever. But, you know, look, you, you get you get shitty gifts, you get good gifts, right? <laughs> like, I think that's that's all. Well, hold on. Don't don't jump the gun beer. just yet, because this is bills yeah. and beers. We talk about the bills. We do so drinking beer. Suge, I was just having a yinling here. I did have a a Sierra Nevada holiday um, label, uh, you know, on the Thanksgiving weekend here, which was nice, but I saw uh, that Jackie had in the garage for herself some uh, bells, jingle bells, which I'd never uh, heard of before, which seems either. a little too obvious. But now here we are. I'm curious to see what what's what's involved there. What what do you got for us tonight? Well, uh, yeah, I was telling you guys at the beginning that um, kind of uh, after after the deep depression I went into after last game, I just decided I was going to go with a week of wellness or a week and a half of wellness, getting sleep, not drinking or whatever. turns out if you don't drink anything for a full week, your tolerance goes straight to shit. And so, you know, I'm currently a one beer pony. Um, and I have one beer and I'm like, Oh my goodness, I feel great. I feel like I'm in high school again. Um, so, um, I did have uh, neon green relish. I mentioned this previously on the pod. It's a hot butcher beer. It's the one that's a shout out to the neon green relish that's in Chicago hot dogs. Uh, very, very good. But after that, I had to chill out because I was like, whoo, <laughs> um, after one beer, which is so sad considering the way we used to like go crazy during Bill's games. Um, but I just did want to mention um, I switched over to a non-alcoholic beer called from a company called Wellbeing Brewing. Um, amazing beers. They have a bunch of good ones. Um, and they finally came out with an IPA. And, you know, the one thing that you'll say with a non-alcoholic beer is always kind of thin. It's always kind of light. They have an amber that's very, very tasty. Um, but, you know, you're not that surprised that it's non-alcoholic. This IPA will punch you in the mouth. I mean, it's got all the bitter 
all the hops, all the piney, resiny. Like, I I tasted it for the first time last week, and I was just like, there's no way this doesn't have any alcohol. Like, it's so dense that, like, when you breathe out, you kind of feel that, that IPA feel that, you, I, you know, you think of as being alcohol. Um, but, yeah, it's it's a shockingly good beer um for if you if you just want like a real real beer but you don't want the booze uh that's it and so in the interest of uh continuing on my path of of not drinking um pipeworks brewing here is famous for their ninja versus unicorn beer. Mm. they now they now have something called a mini unicorn which mm. looks as lame as uh, as it actually is but it's uh it's you know it looks like one of my daughter's like yeah cans of like toys or what is it? They have like poop, poop slime or whatever. Um, anyways, but it's a 5% beer, so it's, it's easy to drink and it tastes good. So, yep, I'm your new lightweight, Lars. Yeah, but I did find a place out here that serves Ninja versus Unicorn, which has been – that's one of those things where like, hey, I, you got to pick a favorite. It's funny. I interviewed somebody once, and I like throwing curveballs at people every once in a while. So I'll say like, what's your favorite movie? What's your favorite book? And it's like it's kind of a disqualifier when somebody says I don't know, and I would say no. You, you like you have to choose something. You just have to have it. You have to have it there in your pocket. So when somebody says what's your favorite song, boom, there it is. Like you have to be decisive, and and let people know. So I made that decision about Ninja versus Unicorn probably four or five six years ago now and and i found it i found it here in in the philadelphia area and it's it's nice. it's good and it's what an eight is it eight seven percent i mean it's yeah it's no it's an eight percent beer yeah yeah and i actually yeah. took down an entire four pack by myself one night that was fun <laughs> yeah that made for an enjoyable morning um speaking of enjoyable mornings christmas morning coming up here pretty soon and uh tis the season you know we're in gift buying season now um, everybody's got a little extra wham these days, a little extra walking around money because nobody's going anywhere. No one's going out to eat and tipping 20%. So uh, hopefully you're buying nice gifts for all your loved ones and you're being very thoughtful and thorough in your purchases. And, you know, you're not going to have to do the, the office uh, white Santa this year. Or secret Santa, sorry, white elephants. <laughs> white, uh, white Santa. Santa. I like it. Well, you could, depending on where in the country you are. Yeah, it's true. Celebrate, celebrate White Santa. Yeah. But fuck it. They lost the election, and it's just me and Lars on the pot, so everyone else can go fuck themselves. Um, so, uh, yeah. So that's the one gift you will not have to buy this year is the gift for your office mates because you're not going to be in the office, and certainly not the stupid gifts but uh, you know that, that come with the white elephant. However... However, there is one group of people that will still be in the office. And no, I'm not talking about me and my colleagues at the hospital or or the people that are in the, you know, the, the fire stations or all the, you know, EMS people or other critical businesses. I'm talking about the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, they're, going they're to still work. going to work. They still got to practice. And so, you know, there's probably some secretary named Jean that every year organizes gets all the players gets them all meal now remember guys on Tuesday you have to bring a little gift for the white elephant because all the offense players are going to do it and all the defensive players are going to do it and we're all going to exchange and like Jean's the sweetest fucking lady in the world but right? let me just interject there so I, I hadn't considered that this would include office and training personnel it should because yeah. what I was thinking, if it's the players, what's the cap? Because in the office, it's like you can't don't spend more than twenty bucks. 
Like, don't be the asshole who shows up with, like, an Apple Watch to give right. out, you know. Um, so with the players, it's like, well, where, where do they set the floor? Is it five grand? I don't know. But, no, if it's if it's training and office personnel, 20 bucks. Yeah, 20 it's 20 bucks. bucks. It's 20 bucks. And the question is, you got to pick the player and pick what is he bringing to the thing. And, and you know, everyone always tries to justify it once you figure out who the gift is actually from. They always just were like, oh, well, you know, I actually had that. It was actually really helpful. And, like, it's like, motherfucker, no one ever used this ever, right? And so uh, so pick the player and tell me what he brought. And since there's only two of us, you can pick two if you want. Um, and yeah, we'll just go back and forth here. I yeah. So the first one that comes to mind is, you know, it's – as you said, you can sometimes identify the giver based on the gift, and sometimes it's something that's of great value to the giver, but nobody else gives a shit. So in that sense, consistent with the conversation we've had about the gentleman before, Ed Oliver is going to give out like some kind of hand-forged, handcrafted, stainless steel spurs and it's going to be like right. Jean who opens it. It's a nice little jewelry box, and she pulls out these the spiky things and has no idea what. And everybody's sort of looking around, and then now you can hear Ed Oliver across the room go, Them's nice spurs, lady. <laughs> I was actually going to think, you know, kind of sitting with the whole thing that, you know, only this person wants it, right? And that's why this, only this person owns it. It's going to be, um, you know, what is it, like Trey. Is going to or no maybe no so who who would it be who would be smooth like that, um, it would be like one of the offensive linemen is going to open up this little box and it's going to have a velvet handkerchief from <laughs> none other than Jerry Hughes yeah right because you know that Jerry Hughes walks around buck naked dick hanging out with nothing but like a velvet robe on like when he's at home and you know he just has got you just know that jerry's got like a velvet kerchief that he puts into his his suit when he's like going out and getting like nice and fancy but nobody else uses a velvet handkerchief and it's like the guys are like i mean do i blow my nose with it? he's like no nah, man it's for your jacket and i'm just like oh fuck jerry <laughs> like <nobody laughs> fuck jerry handkerchief. and back to the uh he's he finds a lot of value in it but nobody else will um Cole Beasley's just going to give out a lot of many, many copies of his his rap album on CD. Yeah, it's a mixtape. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Cole Beasley will definitely make a mixtape. No, and it will be on tape. Like yeah. it won't be. <laughs> and there will be players on our team who have no idea what to do with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I and do like, like your the image of Sean McDermott having an entire grocery. I that. The shopping cart full of deer was just the best. So, you know, the Sean, he's just going to give out like 40 pounds of venison. Yeah. Just or like straight deer, deer jerky. Meat. I love it. I love it. And I do think that like AJ Epinesa is going to like bring some weird like Hawaiian voodoo doll or like he's going like, to bring out spam. Bring like a spam burger. Like some, some, <laughs> some weird and Hawaiian that like everyone's like, what the fuck is this? And he's like, no, it's good. It's good. Does anyone know? I haven't heard what AJ Epinesa sounds like. Does he have an accent? No. He, I mean, he is Polynesian or whatever. Um, I don't I, – that's a great question. I'm also thinking like there will, of course, be the asshole who gets the gift card, you know, like the $20 gift card. With, which like to virtually, like the bills – to the bills – To, to the, the bills, bills store. Shop, right? Yeah. <laughs> like I, somebody – it's totally going to be Trey because Trey's going to forget that it was gift day. And he's like, oh, man, I forgot. Let me go get a gift card real quick. Also, we did fail to mention today two two quick asides about the game. Tyler Bass 
money today. Did great again yeah. today. But it was a Lee Smith game. It was yeah. a Lee Smith. What is he saying out there? What is he doing that every time he plays, he can't not be mixing it up? I, when he got hit, like when he caught that three-yard pass and got hit, I swear, like, he was talking smack, but I think he, like, literally says, that was a great hit. I think so, hit, too. Man. Let's go. That was a great hit. And, like, the guys are like, J- just go away. You know? Like, I-, I think so, too. I-, I got that. I had that exact same impression today because he was also, like, getting into it with Joey Bosa when they were at the bottom of a pile at one point. Yeah. And then there was, a, there was a shot of the two of them, like, kind of like yucking it up and smiling going back and forth. So I think he does do that. And I think that some of these guys are so jacked up and so hardwired to think that everybody's being um, angry angry that they just don't get it. And so that like they just get angry back with him and then it just escalates needlessly (laughs) because Lee Smith is just giving them compliments. Right. Oh, my God. Yeah, Lee Smith is going to bring like anger management tapes. (laughs) Right? He's like, I don't need these. This this worked wonders for me and my wife. Yeah, and Coach McDermott's like, now now those were court ordered. You cannot give those away. Love it. Well, we just got a looked like a foreboding text from Bill. We may, this may be another podcast that has a preamble in front of it. Um, oh no! Did he lose Let's it? Just re-record with everybody here. No, no I'm, I haven't even seen. Uh, we have been told by our listeners, right, that if we don't record this on Sunday, that it's completely dead and useless. Yeah, yeah, ne- yeah pointless or something like that. So, with that in mind, uh, this this could be this could be an accidental intimate session. You'll have to listen and find out. Of course, if you've been here long enough, you will know for sure. So, Suj, we have another extra day to sit and stew on this one. We got to wait for a Monday night kickoff, which again, being here on the East Coast is no fun. These these primetime games, you're just up all night. It's not awesome. Uh, but 8-3, and three, heading out west. I don't know where we're going to be playing this game. There's going to be a little COVID, COVID drama surrounding it. So we'll have to wait and see how this one pans out. But we got to like where we are right now. And, you know, today's game w- would have been nice to watch a little. Uh, well, doors getting blown off, but we didn't. Who cares? We're 8-3. and three. We won. We won by 10 points. Go Bills. Go Bills. Bills make me wanna Shout!